Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Amy Mariani, founder and owner of Mariani Mediation Services. Amy, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. So we were talking about uh, the courts and the court schedules and how the court schedules can run someone ragged. And you've come up with a way to address those things in your practice and in your life. Tell us a little bit more about how you started and why you started your mediation practice. I started my mediation practice when I started thinking that I wanted to get off of the court schedule. I was about 20 years, 15 to 20 years into my practice and started thinking, what's the next chapter going to be? My husband and I love to travel, and I knew I couldn't do the kind of traveling that we want to do with an active trial uh, calendar like I used to carry. So I started thinking, what, do, what else do I enjoy about my practice? And the mediations that I was doing with and on behalf of clients were something that I truly enjoyed. Got trained, did a little volunteer work, loved it, and said, you know what? I think this is this is phase two. So about six years ago, I hung up my shingle as a mediator and uh, retired the trial briefcase. Awesome. And how have things gone for you since you started your mediation practice? It's been great. Uh, you know, the first few years, obviously, you're you're gaining traction, you're getting the word out there, and things are not as um, as busy as you'd like. But you spend that time doing marketing and networking, and that also allowed me to figure out what kinds of cases I really enjoy doing, as well as figuring out how I needed to sort of prime the pump, so to speak, to make sure that I was able to generate business and continue to maintain business at the levels that I wanted to. It also gave me time to get used to the cycles of mediation. Just as there are cycles to the trial court calendar, there are cycles to the mediation calendar as well. Um, So now I'm roughly 70% of of where I want to be six years into it. uh, And um, things are are going well. Yeah, I'm excited about it. So in the six years that you've had your mediation practice, um, there's, there's, most of the mediators I know do family law, and uh, I know you don't actually do much of that. So tell us a little bit about how um, you chose the direction for your mediation practice and why that's important. Yeah, it, that's a really great question. Family law uh, attorneys tend to gravitate to family mediation and uh, attorneys who've done civil work, who've done contract disputes, employment cases, personal injury cases tend to gravitate to doing different kinds of mediation. So based on what your practice was, you tend to go in the direction of of that in your mediation practice as well. I tried personal injury, employment, and contract disputes. So the, the three biggest buckets of my particular mediation practice fall into those uh, those categories partly because that's who I know. You know, the lawyers that know me are, are going to call me. Uh, the lawyers that don't, it's a lot harder to break in there. <laughs> right. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later on in the podcast. As you were starting your practice for the first few years, what were some of the key challenges that you had to overcome? That's a really great question. I think the first was not knowing how to put together a plan of action. How was I going to you know, create this business and get it off the ground? So identifying who I needed to contact, how frequently I needed to contact them, uh, how to do that without turning people off, 
figuring out that whole marketing side of things was a little bit different from the practice of, of law that I'd been doing, which was primarily focused on Fortune 250. So I had a very small field of folks that I was reaching out to and networking with. And those were generally through trade shows and bar association conferences and, and gatherings of, of like-minded people. It's a little bit different when the world's a little bigger and you've got a few more people that you can be communicating with in an effective manner. So I had to hone my message, had to figure out what I enjoyed doing, and I had to figure out where my people were. And how did you overcome this issue that a lot of attorneys run into about feeling like, when they're trying to build their book of business, they're being pushy. Oh, I still work on that. I, <laughs> I still have to figure out how do I make my message one that is not give me your business and more, how can I help you? Uh, and, and I found that the more I can turn my presentation into, I want to help you, let me help you and be of assistance to you. Um, that's a lot easier for me to, to, use that message in a way that resonates with people and resonates with me. It becomes far more authentic and far less salesy to me when I put, put it to people that way. Very cool. I love that. If you keep that in the top of your mind, that what you're doing is actually trying to serve others, it makes those contacts and outreaches so much easier. Definitely. Yeah. The other challenge I hear from a lot of attorneys that are doing these kinds of these types of pivots is they're actually, in some ways, reinventing themselves but they're reinventing themselves within their own sphere of influence. So everyone that you know, everyone that trusts you, everyone that's worked with you, now they're supposed to think of you and instead of you as this fantastic trial lawyer, now they're supposed to think of you as a mediator. So how did you kind of work your way through uh, that kind of a rebrand? That is something that I'm still working on because quite frankly, the bulk of my business does not come from people that I worked with or directly against. The bulk of my business comes from people who were introduced to me by those folks. So uh, getting that rebranding among the, the, the very people that uh, I thought were going to be my consumers uh, actually was not is not what's led to business success for me. It's using that network of folks to introduce me to more folks who have in turn become my consumers. Yeah. And it, I'm not surprised you had that experience. Most of us who have done this kind of thing have had exactly the same experience. And it's not just attorneys that are trying to rebrand that run into this. It's uh, pervasive in insurance. When a new insurance person is starting out, their first thought is friends and family are going to sign up for my insurance policies. And that almost never happens. Um, in my case, because uh, I had 17 years in Silicon Valley, when I started my business coaching practice, and to this day, none of my clients have ever been people that I've worked with. They've all been uh, people that have been referred to me by people that I've worked with. And sounds like you've had a similar experience. And so attorney entrepreneurs, if you're listening, just note, if you're doing a rebrand, people know you for what they know about you. They trust you for what you've done for them. And it's going to take years, if ever, to transition that relationship to something else. And so rather than um, approaching them directly and asking them for their business or to help you out, you're better off asking them for their help in building your business by referring you to others and giving you other opportunities to talk about your firm. I couldn't agree with you more there. That's really where I've gained traction is by utilizing the people that I know to gain introductions to the people that I want to get to know. And that's been of, of tremendous success for me. 
Very cool. And Amy, apart from that component, which is networking and leveraging your relationships for introductions, what other marketing do you do? I do very little because uh, mediators are almost always chosen by word of mouth. The cold calls that I get are usually cases that I don't want to take. So I'm actually in the process right now of going through my website, updating the language on my website to reflect precisely what I do. Uh, and get rid of the the calls that don't make sense for me to take any longer. Um, you know, when you first start out, you often cast a broad net and don't hone your message um, in, a, in a really refined way because you want to make sure you're not missing out on business. And as my business matures and grows, I am taking that message and making it narrower and narrower and narrower in terms of the types of cases, in terms of the the size of the cases, uh, so that I'm getting really the people that I want to be working with. And my website itself and my other promotional materials will um, automatically not turn off, but turn away people that aren't a great fit. I love that. And I want to dig a little bit more into that. I'm going to give you some advanced notice here. Uh, I would love for you to share your message with us on the air. But before we get to that, This is a discussion I have with clients a lot and clients have had with other coaches and consultants, refining your message, but first off, defining your message. Tell us about the journey you went through when you've crafted your message, because you did that at the beginning. And then sounds like you've made some changes along the way. How did that process go for you? Because clearly it's top of mind for you. How did you know it was time to make some changes and how did you figure out what changes to make? That's a really, really difficult question to answer in a short period of time. But the gist of it is, you know, when I started out, I wasn't sure exactly what the best cases would be for me. I had a feeling that they were probably going to be those employment, personal injury, and contract-based disputes that I had handled in the past. But uh, I wasn't quite sure where I was going to gain traction in the market. So I set my rates a little lower than I saw the rates of of people that I would have viewed as my peers in terms of experience, et cetera. Uh, And I deliberately kept my messaging broad. My my overarching message was, I can help you move from conflict to resolution, uh, which is is very broad brush. Now I'm trying to really get across that I'm the person you want to call when you have a high value case that involves business interests, either um, in in the personal injury context, it would be a manufacturer of a defective product. In the employment case, it would be the employer and an employee. Um, In a a business dispute, it would be two businesses going at each other or partners in a a business that want to um, basically get a business divorce. So I'm trying to make sure that my message now is all about You shouldn't be calling me for the case that's worth $5,000. You should be thinking of me for the cases that are six figures plus. Got it. Love it. Love how that's evolved. And what geography, Amy, do you you cover with your mediation practice? Initially, I started out just in the Boston area because of the fact that time is money uh, in mediation, just as it is in the practice of law. And most people, unless it's a really, really high stakes case, don't want to pay a mediator's travel expenses, and and all of the associated time and cost that goes along with that. Now in the COVID era, I can mediate just about anywhere because we do most of our mediations now by Zoom. It's been highly effective and it's led to a rebranding 
of myself, not as just an expert in the New England area, but if you've got these kinds of cases, think of me on a national basis. So that's that's part of the rebranding I'm doing as well. That is fantastic. You know, what I love about uh, about your honest answer there is that you started off really broad and then you've refined it over time. And, and that's the message for attorney entrepreneurs that are listening. If you talk to a marketing consultant or you talk to me or, you know, any of the other folks that, that I know and respect, they're going to push you. They're going to push you to get narrower on your focus, but it's okay to start off broad. This is an evolution. It's for most people, for 99% of attorneys that hang out their own shingle, you're not going to be able to figure out what your specific target market is. That process takes months, if not years. And it actually, in my opinion, never stops. Um, Amy, what's what's your experience been? Do you think you're ever going to sit back and say, you know what? I'm done refining my message. Uh, no, there's there's no way because my goal eventually is within 10 years to be transitioning from, actually within five years, be transitioning from the cases that are six figures to the cases that are mid six figures. And from there, from the mid six figure cases to the the seven figure cases, the ultimate goal being to um, continue to refine my practice and refine the the cases that I really love working on. Uh, If there's enough demand, perhaps I will add an associate or a colleague who will do mediation in other realms so that I continue to, uh, to be able to provide high value service to lots of folks. But personally, I love those bet the company, bet the bet the business kind of bet the business at the cases. Yeah. Nice. And and I love the fact that with the with the message um that you never see that really changing until you're kind of done building your perfect practice, which is terrific. So I want all of you attorney entrepreneurs who are listening to just relax. I know that it's going to take you some time to refine your message and you're probably never going to be done, but you can always be evolving and setting your sights higher, just like Amy has been doing, right? Going from um, six figure cases to mid six figure to seven figure cases. That's something that, um, you know, a lot of attorneys don't strive for maybe as much as they should. And Amy, what are the benefits for you in, in doing that? It helps me be better at marketing myself. It, it helps me really keep top of mind the message that I want to be delivering. And it also gives me more confidence to go after the business that I really want, as opposed to settling for the $5,000 cases that initially were what opened the door. Yep. Love it. And now that you're, you're growing and you've got some traction, uh, your practice has matured and is continuing to evolve and you're starting to go national, which is terrific. Um, what are some of the challenges you're dealing with? Or actually, what is the biggest challenge you're dealing with right now? It's making sure that I keep my eye on the ball of running the business while doing the business at the same time. And I've got to be very good about making sure that I give up some of the control that I have over the business at an appropriate time. Right now, I'm still small enough that I can devote three or four hours a week to making sure that I've got all the bills paid and all my organizational stuff is done and everything. But we will reach a point, I think, in the next year or so where it's going to be important for me to pass off some of those responsibilities to someone else, to outsource them so that I am using my time in the most efficient way possible. And for a control freak, that's a really hard thing to do. (laughs) I hear you. Um, and it's it's a strange feeling when it happens because all of a sudden you go from getting everything done and being on top of things to having little things fall through the cracks once in a while. And it starts to become more often and more often. And before you know it, you feel like you're kind of just 
just riding this wave, you know, you're not totally sure what's going to happen. And one of the things that uh, we work on for you attorney entrepreneurs that are listening, there's something called that I've put together called the 2105 rule. Now, for you litigators, um, it doesn't really apply to you quite as much. There's a way we can do it, but that's another podcast. But for you that are transactional attorneys, um, it's 20 hours of billable time per week, 10 hours of business development. Uh, and 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 sales time per week, quite frankly, and five hours of law firm administration a week, 20, 10, five. You add all that up, it's a 35-hour week because you have a few hours extra to do whatever you'd like. But those are the three numbers. And if you end up with more time in law firm administration or more time in client work, those are often signals that you either need to invest in people or or systems or both. If your marketing is more than 10 hours a week, and I know 10 hours sounds like a lot, but if you're building a practice, it's not. If your marketing is more than 10 hours a week and you're not getting the results, you need to take a hard look at your marketing and think about what needs to change. And if your numbers are lower than either 20, 10, or 5, well, you know you need more business. So does that make sense, Amy? I love that, Alec. That actually resonates with me because uh, I have a direct correlation between my revenue and the amount of time that I spend marketing and networking. There's, there's a, a direct correlation. And I know that if I put in uh, 10 hours of marketing in one month, I'm going to have a lot less coming in in revenue down the pipeline than if I spend 20 hours in marketing in a month. So it's, it's a really, really great analogy. Thank you very much. Yeah, it helps, helps attorneys get off the revenue roller coaster by hiring in time. Right, that's what we're trying to do. So, Amy, as you're thinking about what's ahead for your firm over the next year, year and a half, uh, what excites you? What really excites me is a new initiative that I have in in terms of the marketing and and networking, and that is getting out and speaking more to folks like you and doing a little bit more writing, uh, and really helping people to understand what the value is of mediation. Um, I'm really trying to educate people out there, litigators included that mediation can be really valuable early on in the process. So um, I can get involved in a case even before litigation is filed, saving you and your client tons of time and tons of money, making you look phenomenal in front of your client. And your client's going to think that you're the best thing since sliced bread. You saved them years of litigation, thousands of dollars in cost, and guess whose name is going to be on the top of their lips anytime anyone ever asks them for a referral for a lawyer? Yours. So I'm really trying to get that message out there that thinking of me helps you and your long-term business strategy. And now you can provide that service on a national scale, which is fantastic. So if an attorney wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? There are two ways of doing that. You can certainly look me look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Amy Mariani. And uh, the other place you can go is to my website, marianimediation.com. Amy, thank you so much for joining Lawyer Business Advantage. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Everyone, that's Amy Mariani with Mariani Mediation Services. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, 
We would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.